two girls move to a new town and meet lively spirits. Will they be friend or foe? It's my neighbor Totoro. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. I didn't know how to start this. There's there's literally nothing ominous about this movie. Alex, so I did not know what to say in our preamble. Um because this is just not the ominous Ooh. feature that most of our films We are. might disagree a little bit on that. Ooh. All right. Well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it then. Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airways, where two friends try to stay alive and stay connected by chatting about weekly monster movies. This week, as we stay alive, we're discussing my neighbor, Totoro. With me today is the lovable furry Alex. <laughs> I had a good one, but... Okay, I'll give it a shot. And then joined by the cat bus with a bunch of people inside of it, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we go. I'll take it. I will take it. <clears throat> uh, this movie, believe it or not, Alex, was released in 1988. 1988. That was our birthday. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah. That's our birth year, which leads me to a quick question for you. Do you have a favorite movie from your birth year, 1988? Uh, absolutely. My Neighbor Totoro, because I, I don't know any other movies from 1988. <laughs> Let's see. I bet I know what your favorite movie is from 1988. I bet I can guess it once you look it up. My Neighbor Totoro is my favorite movie from 1988, oh. followed probably by Ernest Saves Christmas. Ooh. <laughs> okay that classic yeah I mean, my second definitely. favorite Ernest film by the way second favorite oh, yeah, probably oh, third yeah. okay so the Halloween one has to be above that right scared stupid oh yeah Hall- yeah Ernest scared stupid and Ernest goes to school those are my top two oh. and then Ernest saves Christmas probably number three <laughs> okay okay yeah I would say yeah scared stupid's number one for sure for me no, your favorite your favorite movie from 1988, Alex. Oh, my it's favorite. It's got to be. Okay. Die Hard. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, so I was just looking at the box office. And I'm at number 15. And you're absolutely right. Ooh. Naked Gun is a really close one, though. Mm. Um, I don't think I've seen Naked Gun. Oh my god, so funny. Ooh, The Land Before Time, Eric. That's a great one. It's a great one. We'll have to save that for our dinosaur series, though. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, And hang on one second. I'm just going to double check. Oh, and of course, Police Academy 5, Assignment Miami Beach. The only, only movie title I've seen with two colons. (laughs) 
but I would say Die Hard. Um, I, I yeah. do. I did see A Land Before Time pretty recently. Mm-hmm. Still pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And then Naked Gun. I haven't seen that in a long time, but I would imagine it would still be absolutely incredible. Yeah, I need to watch Land Before Time again and see Naked Gun for the first time sometime. So, yeah, cool man. That sounds good. Um, well, let's jump into this as we talk about one of our favorite movies from 1988. Okay, let's do it. Hayao Miyazaki's acclaim might be far-reaching as the director of Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, and Howl's Moving Castle, but it may be My Neighbor Totoro that stands out as his greatest, albeit probably his quietest film as well. And when you watch it, there's not much that happens, Alex. Two girls move to the country with their dad to be closer to their mom in the hospital. And yet somehow, it has still captured the imagination of a worldwide audience, including my own children. Hmm. So what is the secret to the success? And just as importantly, Alex, which Totoro is your, which Totoro is your favorite? Ooh. Small, medium, or giant? <laughs> I mean, the giant one has to be the choice. He's got the most detailing. He's the most iconic. But uh, admittedly, they do all have their charms, especially the little one who can turn invisible. Pretty <laughs> cute. <laughs> but man, what kid watching this wouldn't love those three things? Exactly. Ah, uh, and, and definitely part of its success. And I think the other secrets of success, though, for the film, is that I think there's a variety of factors here, obviously. <laughs> but mm-hmm. one, I think people will guffaw at. <laughs> guffaw. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I say it, because it is a kid's movie. Think mm-hmm. First, I think the setting is probably one of the most important parts of the film. It's quiet, quaint, isolated, beautifully green. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's so foreign in a lot of ways, especially to, you know, where we are. Uh, mm-hmm. It's even the, you know, this is rural Japan, but it's very clean. You know, it's farming country, but it's just so much different than what we see even, you know, in Kentucky when you're driving between cities. Uh, yeah. It's a little, little reminiscent of that, but it's smaller and quaint. You know, you see the people working out in the fields. You see grandma waving. Like, mm-hmm. it's definitely a nice little area. Uh that this kind of brings forth the imagination and really it blends with the fantasy elements of the film uh pretty effortlessly i think because of this whimsical rural city you know the the magic out here is almost more believable not that this film needs to be believable but it's somewhat for some reason it's very tangible much more so than you would see like if these three were moving into a high rise in the big city right Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it's that nature element that we get here. And, and Miyazaki really likes to play with in this film. Um, yeah. And then we get the characters that feel lived in. And they feel like people we've seen before, even family members. And then we get the horror element. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm sure the last point is comical, including to you maybe and, and a lot of our listeners. But there is an air of horror throughout the film. The climb to the attic. 
the looming winds at night, the suit gremlins, and the appear the appearance the initial appearance of the things of like the cat bus in the night, mm-hmm. the possible death of the mom, and the potential danger mm. of what's happened to May. I think that these horror elements actually keep our attention while we have all the fun shiny things dance in front of us. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right, Alex. I mean, there is this underlying sense of grief, right? And suffering or potential suffering and grief um, that spurns the imagination, if, if that's the right word for it. Mm. Or not, maybe not spurns. Uh, spurs. That spurs the imagination. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of Giant Totoro, of course, but all three are great, like you said. And we can't forget about the cat bus. But to go back to that question, um, what makes this film capture the imagination? I've, I've asked myself what's special about Miyazaki's films and Totoro specifically because they are able to capture my children's, children's imagination, which honestly, not a ton can. Like, like they are weird children, right? They don't get sucked into a screen and just stare at it, right? <laughs> they really need something to capture their imagination. So, uh, and it's, it's, it's not beating them over the head with cuts, songs, mm. and actions. It, it's like the anti-Coco Melon in many ways, right? <laughs> um, but I think its antidote to that Coco Melon style lies in three areas. And you started to mention some of this, Alex. But I think it lies in its characters, its setting, and its fantasy. The sisters, first of all, feel fully imagined and fully fleshed out without being over the top with specific character cues that you know they're supposed to have. Mm -hmm. They just express real emotions at appropriate times and nothing feels forced between them. And then you mentioned it, the setting, this idyllic, peaceful little home in Japan's countryside feels like fantasy (laughs) and it is a Mm -hmm. part of the fantasy for us as adult audience is right it -hmm. captures a space and time where life just feels a bit simpler despite that surrounding chaos despite some of maybe those ominous uh underlying feelings that um we don't notice as much in this world and finally you get that blend of slice of life uh setting with the fantasy realism and that makes this movie grounded feel grounded and otherworldly. So when we do pause in the action, which this film does a lot, we aren't losing attention, but rather Mm. our attention is transferred to something beautiful, calm, and tranquil. Yeah, I I think you've hit the nail on the head here. Um, There is a vibe of this film that is strange. Not because it's just whimsical, but the way it works you almost part of you almost wonders what it was even about at the end of the film of course we know what it's about right it's about these kids and their mom and 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 this the magical world surrounding them but in a way this movie is like you were saying eric it's just this it's antithetical to the structure of most movies and how they manage their stories. Yeah. It's really refreshing and odd, but not in a bad way. I mean, really, when I reflect on this movie, my only p- 
possible gripe is that I don't understand some of the magic elements. But I understand that these things can't be viewed by anyone but these kids. Uh, that's pretty established, especially towards the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when the tree grows, for instance, this is one that it's a really cool moment. You know, they're all making grow, grow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a really cool moment, and it's like, wow, how are they going to explain this giant tree in the morning? That's going to be cool, <laughs> and then it's gone. Right? <laughs> yes, it is gone. Right? But if you notice, whenever they come out. Right, uh, their little seedlings mm-hmm. had sprouted. Yes, right. <laughs> yes, so it's Which a is remnant cool, of but the it... magic is still there. You know, it's not like it's <laughs> didn't it happened, but it didn't happen. So it's, it, those types of things See, definitely make you think, right? But that's the thing, right? It, it, it happened, but it didn't happen. But then the question is: Is was it a dream? Right. Right. right? That, that's that, that, that's what it makes you think. Now, again, I think that this is very cleared up by the ending of the film. Mm-hmm. And that it is, in fact, all real. But, you know, only certain people can participate in the magic. Only some can see it, usually young kids, which mm-hmm. isn't unusual with stories uh, regarding spirits. Kids can usually see some things that adults yeah. can't and all that stuff. So it, it, it goes hand in hand with a lot of urban legends, I guess. Yeah. Um, really, though, at the end of the day, the real magic, Eric, is the music. Oh man. man, I could listen to the main theme over and over. Not the totoro, totoro. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the main theme here yeah. is so great and special. Man, mm. Ugh, I could listen to it all oh, the yeah. time. <laughs> no, honestly, it's it's such a great, it, it's a theme. I, I just can imagine it being like uh, sampled for a nice lo-fi rap beat, but it's just Definitely. it's so good. Uh, the music <laughs> is so good. The sound design is so good. I think about that rain scene, Alex. Oh, where they're it's waiting so good for their yes. dad to get back. The entire sound design there, with the rain and the frog and the insects and the silence and the cat bus. <laughs> it's all culminates into something quite magical. Um, and so you're right. The music is magical. The sound design is whimsical and realistic and just heightens what are calm moments, um, which is, is, is really something special. And yeah, I, I actually I don't have any real issues with this film. I, I'll probably get into how I viewed the magic here in a second. But uh, I guess since I don't have any issues, I'll just keep talking about things that I like specifically, Alex. Uh, yeah, you mentioned course. the soup gremlin scene at the beginning, which I've probably seen twenty times um, because in just rewatching this film with my kids, they've they've watched it a lot. That's the scene I've seen the most. I think it sets the stage perfectly for this film in that it reflects the wonder, fear, and curiosity of exploring a new home for the first time. One thing I've always connected to with this film and with Miyazaki's films in general. Um, are his characters that are caught in transit. They move from one place to another, adjusting to new scenarios and new emotions. As a kid, I moved eight or nine to eight or nine different states in about the span of 12 years. So it was constant transition. And I can remember that experience of exploring your new home for the first time, figuring Mm. it all out, running around excited after a long trip and just getting there. And this is exactly 
uh, how Satsuke and May respond <laughs> when they arrive to their new house as well. And this is just scene one, Alex. Uh, did you have any scene or moment that stood out to you as particularly memorable or relatable? Mm, yeah. So while I can't relate directly with any character mm-hmm. uh, in that way, I do, when I've watched this movie both times, I do see a lot of my daughter Gwen and May mm-hmm. in particular. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a particular bravado about the character and some of the ways she not only imitates Sasuke, that does feel very familiar. Um, and that there's also this... that <laughs> she, She's, like, really funny and over the top, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I see her doing a lot of the exaggerated motions uh, when she's imitating Satsuki or just some of her <laughs> behaviors or scream, some of the way she like yells or gets mad or stuff like that. Very Gwen. And as Gwen's gotten older, I do see a little bit of the Satsuki element, though, but Satsuki's a little braver than Gwen is. Uh, <laughs> for sure. So, um, but I, I think it's kind of interesting to start seeing that, that change in my own view of that, because I used to think May was exactly Gwen, and now I'm seeing a little bit of an evolution. Yeah, which makes um, sense. As for yeah. memorable, <laughs> yeah, right? She's becoming the older mm-hmm. sister now. Um as for memorable stuff, I think the cat bus introduction is pretty memorable. You know, it is probably the most surreal moment of the film. Yeah. And like I said earlier, the lead up to that thing is kind of horrifying. It feels like, yes, we're having fun in the rain with Totoro, but it's a little ominous when that thing starts coming and we see the smile and all that. Like you got that Cheshire cat type feel. It feels like something that could bad happen in the moments leading up to it in some ways. You know, this is a whimsical children's movie. We know that that's probably not going to happen unless it's like Bridge to Terabithia all of a sudden or something. Um, Grave of the Fireflies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, But again, like this is an element where there's this minor bit of tension and horror that it it is at the end of the time at the end of the day what keeps your attention yeah so yeah now i i'm with you that 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 tension that horror uh element that you mentioned it it, i mean it, it fits into that transition theme right that kind of i was attaching mm. to i i just think it's pretty fascinating just the difference of how the dad treats his kids versus how we would treat our kids now, right? In our settings, it's just <laughs> night and day, you know, it's just that yeah. it just wouldn't happen. But to get back to the fantasy element of this film for a second, in the past, I, I have asked questions about what's real versus what's imagined versus what's real because it's imagined. But this time around, <laughs> I just decided to take the film at face value, right? Um, I just it is what it is. And what I appreciate about yeah. this is how infused with magic this world is, even without the fantasy elements. We've got little shrines to the forest. We've got monuments to local deities, prayers of gratitude and supplication. It's an enchanted world where the spiritual world is everywhere present and filling all things. And of course, this extends to the way our characters treat each other as as people that are worthy to be respected uh 
and, and that just makes it a great film to show your kids. <laughs> uh, this is the mm. type of film, like if you are a movie fan and you want to um, grow appreciation in your own kids and, and want them to, to gain an appreciation for like cinema and, and movie making, I think this is a great mm-hmm. stepping stone for that type of viewing experience. Mm. I think you're probably right. And I am really interested, Eric, to show this to Gwen now that she is so much older. You know, I watched I watched it with her when she was very yeah. young. And she she doesn't recall this movie at oh, all. Oh, man. I think um, she'll like it. I think she's so, going to like it. I think so, too. I think so, too. So uh, I think we want to watch it with her. That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah. My kids have seen it too many times. Now it's not, there's not a surprising element to it. They're just like, yeah, Totoro. Love that movie. <laughs> So, <laughs> it's one of those trip movies we watch when we go on a trip usually ah um, okay so yeah it's great love it and then I get to listen to the music more so that's why I, I like watching it during trips <laughs> <laughs> well awesome. hey before we get into our awards Alex NVM Plus today on NVM Plus we talk about uh, one of our executive producers, he sent us this list of a potential series that we could do, and we kind of hinted at it as as a possibility. It's giant animals, giant animal creature features. We talk about this list of, I think, 22 films, potentially, mm-hmm. um, that we could do sometime in the future for one series, and there are some interesting choices, Alex. Uh, <laughs> it, also, was a, it was a very funny time. We it also talk about the flash um and how Oof. much you loved it uh oh yeah love yeah. <laughs> along with your support True. ezra miller it was it was quite the indian <laughs> plus episode so uh you can listen to that over at patreon.com forward slash nvm pod become a bargain base mite two dollars patreon.com forward slash nvm pod let's go ahead jump into our awards compelling character award who you got alex uh, this one might be out of left field for some because I think you know a lot of people don't think about this character. I'll put, I picked the mom. Mm. Yeah. I picked her because I think I think this woman is enjoying just a little bit of a siesta. <laughs> I think. When did did we see her get sick? No. Uh-uh. Did we see anything? I think a little bit of a hypochondria is happening out there. <laughs> And I think she's enjoying a little peace and quiet. Now, I'm glad she's returning home now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, how real is this illness? I don't know. It's very interesting, right? Like, the, the, <laughs> in, all, in all seriousness, though, it, it is yeah. interesting what the film decides to share versus what it doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's intentional. <laughs> right like Definitely. it could get more detailed with this this mom's sickness it could make this mom's sickness it could it could turn this film into uh um a monster calls right like this <laughs> this film could be a monster yeah. which i like i like a monster calls uh this film could be a monster calls in a couple seconds if it wanted to be right if it wanted right. to tap into that emotion it could that's not what it, that's not the point though that's not what it's going for which I just really appreciate, right? It's there's none of that. Um, my compelling character is the dad, Tatsuo Kasukabe. Um, yeah, Kusukabe. he actually is a compelling character. He is a compelling character 
because as I as I hinted at earlier, just the way that he parents his girls is interesting. The trust that he has in them, um, in the brief moments that we get with him, he encourages. They like they wouldn't be as magical, right? And and have this this they wouldn't be as in touch with the magic around them if it wasn't for the dad who encourages this magic, right? Um, mm. and, and so I appreciate that. Like he he fosters their magic, their imagination, and fosters this world that's around him. Well, still being a bit oblivious to when magic may be occurring outside his window at times. <laughs> so I love my, my kid's favorite scene uh, is the scene where it's storming outside and they're in the bath together. Oh, and they're laughing. And he laughs <laughs> really loud, right? And they all start laughing. They love that scene. And it is funny. It's such a good it's scene, great. dude. It's great. <laughs> um, oh. Most memorable line award. What'd you have for that one? It's collapsing. It's collapsing. <laughs> this is when the kids are excited for their new home that has a, a rotted post. And they're just so excited about yeah, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just such a funny thing to see kids excited about their new home having a defect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They just <laughs> and don't then they knock it over later. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is a, uh, a line from Satsuke to Granny. Um, whenever they're working in the garden, she just says, your garden's a treasure house, uh, which I just liked. By the way, Alex, I watched this this time. I don't watch this movie in Japanese, but I did this time. I watched it in Japanese oh. with subtitles. I bet you watched it in English, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the voiceover in the English version is great. Like It is fantastic, um, which lends itself to our next award which is can't believe the acting award who'd you have i had uh tim daly as the dad professor kusakabe i think like you said he does this really excellent job of conveying like that warmth Mm -hmm. and care and patience um with his with his children and he just seems to be just the nicest guy yeah (laughs) So I got to give it to Tim Daly. What about you, Eric? Yeah. Uh, so in the Japanese version, a performance that stood out to me was Tani Kirabayashi as Granny. Um, she's great in both versions. I, as I said, I, this is an English dub that I love. I, I love the English version um, of this. Mm. I, I think it's it's fantastic. Now, it's the one that I'm most used to, um, of course, because it's the first time I watched it in Japanese. But... I will go back to the English because I really uh, like the English version. I, I am not the, the dad who will only make my kids watch the Japanese version with subtitles, Alex. <laughs> I can appreciate but that. Anyway, <laughs> Kitabayashi as granny in, in the Japanese version is great um, as kind of a steadying voice for a steadying figure um, as she needs to be at times. Absolutely. Uh, Eric, what about your, oh, that's a good shot award. <laughs> well, um, you mentioned the scene, and it's just one of my favorite scenes because we get that music going, and there is this shot that I just absolutely adore, and it's when they all, they're, they're making the tree grow. And in a sense, Alex, they're kind of bowing down to the tree. Uh, Satsuke, Mei, and the three Totoros, 
and the tree just keeps on growing as they kind of are moving and sprouting it up and down. But there's that scene where we get the shot from behind and we see the tree growing. And then in the background, you see the dad just working in the house with the lights on at his desk, oblivious to what's going on in the world around him. And yeah, that to me is just a a magical scene. Um, Of course, when they come out, the, the the seedlings have just sprouted. It hasn't grown into a giant tree yet. Um, but I, I love that moment. And that is the moment where the, the music really stands out to me uh, as well. Mm. What about you? Yeah. What a great moment. Yeah. Mine's a, a comedic shot, actually. So this is after the they open the door to their new house and all the soot gremlins scurry mm-hmm. away in the bathhouse. And it's like completely horrifying. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the, the shot has them framed and they just stand still for several beats in shock of what they just saw. And then they absolutely love it. <laughs> but that image of them just standing there aghast at what they just saw is so funny. Oh, yeah. I just oh, love that. It's great. It's great. <laughs> um, all right. Unique award, Alex. I, I'll go ahead and go. My unique award is the most terrifying okay. monster award. And it goes to the goat that Ooh. wants to steal May's corn. Um, <laughs> that goat oh, yeah. with the goat's teeth is absolutely <laughs> terrifying. Um, that is, to me, the most terrifying monster award. And it just, I guess, adds to that horror feeling that you've mentioned, Alex. <laughs> is this uh, goat. Yes, which, absolutely. You know, in Miyazaki's... I can't think of anything more horrifying, Eric, than someone eating my uh, corn. That's pretty terrifying. It is. Honestly, though, like you bring up a good point. I mean, Miyazaki's films generally do, like especially the ones that include fantasy elements, they have that that underlying. Sometimes the realism can be more horrific than the fantasy, you know. And, and so I think about films like Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke, where we see that sort of idea, uh, and here, like that goat. That goat is scary, man. That thing is scary looking. Um, which, which, yeah, it, from May's perspective, it definitely was, right? Which is what I think is trying to be captured in that moment. So, yeah, terrifying monster, mm. the goat. What about you? Absolutely. Mine is a weird thing. Um, it's actually a tie-in to another movie mm. of Miyazaki's. Huh. So the best tie-in award. Uh-huh. And this is something he did later on in his career from another movie. Mm-hmm. The shoe that's found, um, you probably already know this, Eric. Do you know what movie that's from? I can't, no. Uh-uh. The shoe that's found that's not Maze is actually from the main character in Spirited Away. How is it? Yeah. And she loses it. Um, she loses that shoe, and it's because of a water spirit. And then it appears in water here. Wow. So it's just a little tie-in <laughs> that they tied in Spirited Away to this movie, actually. Nice. And when I saw that, I was like, that's really, really cool. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that. Well, cool, man. I think that leads yeah. us to our final thoughts and our tiered rating for this film. I'll go ahead and start us off. If you haven't guessed it by now, this is a Godzilla tier film for me. Uh, I don't really have complaints about this film. <laughs> uh, I think 
to me, it's the children's film par excellence. Uh, it really is like that high in my esteem that it is a recommendation I would give to just about any kid um, out there because it is that sort of antidote to our overstimulated uh, children's media brain, right? Uh, it just does it in a way that still manages to capture attention, right? It can hold your attention. And I think there's that element mm-hmm. of fear, right, that that helps with that, Alex. Um, there is that element of fear that, that Miyazaki brings that does um, end up capturing that attention, holding that wonder for children and adults alike. So this is a film that I can't say enough good things about. And believe it or not, it may just be my second favorite Miyazaki film, not even my favorite. So we'll have to save my favorite for another time. Wow. Well, Eric, I had a feeling because I know that you highly regard this movie. Um, And going into our episode, I was prepared to give this a very high camera tier. Uh, but then the more we talk about it and the more I think about the film, the more I realize I don't really have anything to complain about (laughs) (laughs) and that there's not really anything that should be keeping it there. And the more I think about the movie, the more I like it, the more impressed I am with it. Um, so I'm going to give this a Godzilla tier. I don't think I'm quite as high on it as you are, but it's still definitely a remarkable film um, that I think, like you were saying, I think everybody should see. This is a fun one. This is a, a light one. And I think that this was one that people really draw a lot of inspiration and imagination from. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can't recommend this this one enough for really just about anybody that likes mm-hmm. film. Future MVM Plus, Alex, I'd like to get some of your children movie recommendations. You mentioned Land Before Time. Maybe Ooh. that's on that list. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I want to depress children as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, next week, Alex, we continue our uh, MVM animated series, but we move in a slightly different direction with Scooby-Doo on zombie island uh we watch the <laughs> scooby-doo will it be uh like poo or will we shout more than likely Woohoo! <laughs> wow um yeah i can't wait to see scooby-doo on zombie island i hope it has a lot of violence d- <laughs> I don't know. The reality is. I can't wait is, for the music in this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Will it rival Totoro's music? That is the question. Will it rival it Totoro's music? <laughs> Despite being about zombies, will it actually, which is scarier, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island or My Neighbor Totoro? <laughs> we'll answer that Eric, next week. We'll have to rate. we'll have to rate this movie not just for our animated series, yeah. But our zombie series as oh, well. I know. Where does it fit? Where does it fit? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. As always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. You can leave us feedback on this episode at nvmpod.com or email us at nvmpod at gmail.com. You can follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at nvm underscore pod. Become a bargain basement at patreon.com forward slash nvmpod 
and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't join at this time, a review or share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, Kama Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Subblock B, Louis Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, Instagram Connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't let your children open the mail. It just causes problems. <laughs> and try to <laughs> try stay, to stay alive. alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. that a game of telephone almost killed May. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Uh.